This week, we're talking about traveling with camera gear, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. You know what I hate? I hate podcasts that open with apologies. So I'm going to resist the urge to apologize and just say, yeah, I've been incredibly busy. Sorry it's been so long since the last episode. I have not forgotten about you. In my defense, it's been a pretty crazy several months. I mean, for one, I got married, so there's that. I spent three weeks in a 1979 camp trailer with Thomas Heaton, Adam Gibbs, and Gavin Hardcastle. We filmed a landscape photography course, and it was quite the adventure, to say the least. I think someday we'll all be friends again. It's going to be a while, though. Those were very confined quarters for five men to try to live for three weeks. Also taught a workshop in Iceland. I've been all over the place. It's been a very, very busy last several months, and that, that is the reason that it has taken so long to get this episode out to you guys. Also, you know, if I'm being honest, I'm starting to run dry. Run dry meaning I feel like I'm just repeating myself. <laughs> I think if, if anybody does a podcast like this for long enough, you start to get really self-conscious that you're just a broken record. And sometimes I feel that way. And you guys can help me with that. I want you guys to go over to the Facebook group and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a thread there. I want to know what you guys want to hear on this show. I, I want to know what guests you would like to have on the show. Having guests helps me tremendously because rather than me repeating myself, it becomes picking the brain of other talented photographers. And I like that. So these are the reasons it's taken so long to get this episode out to you. Hopefully you'll find a nugget or two in there. We're going to talk about traveling with photography gear. Travel and photography go hand in hand. One of my favorite parts about photography, about landscape photography, is the fact that it goes so well with something else that I'm passionate about, and that's traveling. I love going and seeing new things, and naturally when I see new things or beautiful things, I want to photograph them. So travel and photography tend to go hand in hand, but traveling with photography gear can be kind of stressful, especially if you haven't done it much or if you're doing it for the first time with that really expensive camera gear. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the more practical things that you can do to protect your gear, what you can and can't take on an airplane, all of that fun stuff. So we're going to start off by talking about what you definitely should take with you on a trip. When you're going on a trip or maybe a workshop, it's not a good time to experiment with new gear. It's really tempting to pick up a new piece of gear for that upcoming trip. And if you decide to pick up a new piece of gear, make sure that you have some practice with it before you actually take it on on the trip, because there's nothing worse than getting to your location and then fumbling and struggling with a new piece of gear that you don't know your way around. A lot of times the old reliable gear that you've used a lot is going to serve you much better in those stressful situations where you don't want to screw up the shot. When it comes to lenses that you take on a trip, 
I've always preferred zoom lenses because I want as many different focal lengths covered as I can get. I don't want to be in a situation where I have a 20 millimeter prime, but I'm really wishing that I actually had 16 millimeters because I'm not able to get the entire scene in the shot. For that reason, I'm always taking zoom lenses with me. My typical lens setup is a 16 to 35, 24 to 105, and then a 100 to 400. So if anything is between 16 millimeters and 400, I'm pretty much covered. Granted, sometimes that setup can get a bit heavy, especially with my telephoto lens. So there are times where, let's say I'm going on a hike and I know that I'm not going to need my telephoto lens. I'll either leave that back at the hotel or maybe hide it under the seat of the rental car or whatever and hike out with just my 24 to 105 and my 16 to 35. But regardless, when I'm traveling, I try to cover as many different focal lengths as I can. Another really important thing is that when you're traveling, you want to make sure that you have a backup camera body. There's nothing worse. There's nothing scarier than flying. Maybe you're taking your first trip to Iceland or somewhere far away and your main camera body gets wet and starts to malfunction. What happens if you don't have a second camera body? That's a really expensive trip that you're on, and to have a camera body fail in the middle of that trip, needless to say, it's going to ruin your day. If you have a backup camera body, you can trust that that's not going to happen. And I know that not everybody owns two camera bodies, and you don't need to own two camera bodies because you can always rent the second one. So what I recommend to a lot of people that don't own two camera bodies, if you're going on a once-in-a-lifetime type trip, Make sure that you rent a backup camera body. It doesn't have to be the latest and greatest. It just has to be functional because in an ideal world, you're not going to have to use that second camera body. So, for example, if you're on the Canon system and your main camera body is a 5D Mark IV, you can get away with renting you know, a Canon 6D original or something like that. Just something that will use the same lenses, preferably use the same batteries that you already own, and work in a pinch. Work if your main camera body goes out of commission. Another positive to having that backup camera body is, hey, you know, you might as well put that second camera body to work and maybe do a time lapse while you're doing photography with your main camera body. You can always put it to work if you need to, but in an ideal world, that's going to be a camera that you don't really want to have to use. So you don't have to spend a bunch of money on the latest and the greatest with your backup body. But I do recommend that it uses the same lenses and ideally the same batteries as your main camera body. So when it comes to tripods, obviously you're going to want to take a decent one. I know that a lot of people when they travel, they tend to want to travel incredibly light and really skimp on the tripod. I've seen a lot of people travel with no tripod at all. That I do not recommend. What I do recommend though is to have some kind of fairly lightweight option. When I travel, I try not to take my biggest tripods. And granted, I've got quite the collection going now because of all the reviews that I do. But I tend to not travel with my big, giant, you know, four series tripods. I like to have that slightly smaller, slightly lighter tripod set up. That way, when I'm either hiking or flying, it's not miserable to carry around. I say carry around because when I travel for airlines, I always strap my tripod to the side of my camera bag. The reason for that is I don't want to take a risk of, let's say, putting my tripod in my checked luggage and then having my checked luggage not arrive on time 
Sometimes it can take several days for that airline to find your luggage and then to track you down in whatever hotel you happen to be staying at. Those are going to be several days that you're going to be shooting without a tripod, which means no long exposures for you, which means higher ISOs, which means just generally not as good of photos as you would have taken with that tripod. So I don't ever want to risk that. Oftentimes the photography is the entire reason that I am traveling and I want to make sure that I, I arrive with all the gear that I need. So I take the ball head off of the top of the tripod. I put that inside my camera bag and then I always strap my tripod to the side of my bag. I know there's going to be a lot of people that, you know, start wondering, well, how long is my tripod? Is that going to be carry on compatible? And what you have to remember is that you can, in a pinch, you can always take that tripod off the side of your bag. They're not going to make you check your tripod or anything. If you think about it, plenty of people travel with guitar cases and instrument cases, or maybe you've seen engineers with those big long tubes with blueprints in them. There's plenty of people that travel with a with an odd sized carry on. A tripod counts as that. So in a worst case scenario situation, I've actually had it where the flight that I was on had such small overhead compartments that I had to take the tripod off the side of my bag, put my bag up in the overhead, and then put my tripod underneath the seat. That is the worst case scenario, and even that is not that big a deal. So always fly with your tripod attached to the side of your bag. That way you arrive at your photo location with all of the gear that you need. While we're on the subject of flying with camera gear, I wanted to touch on something that I know is everybody's biggest fear. So let's say you walk up to your gate, and they start eyeing your camera bag. Then they start wanting to check your camera bag because they think it's oversized. Now, first of all, most of our camera bags are going to be, you know, fairly malleable, fairly squishy. They're not <laughs> squishy. That's a great term for a camera bag, but they're not going to be like a roller bag that has zero give at all. I've been in the situation where they start looking at my camera bag and thinking that it's oversized. And the first thing that I always tell them, and it's usually the end of the conversation, is I say, this is my camera bag. It's full of a bunch of really expensive camera gear, and I have a whole bunch of lithium batteries in it. At that point, they're most likely going to just drop the conversation because the fact that you have lithium batteries in your camera bag means that it cannot be checked. Also, airlines are loath to take responsibility for a bunch of expensive camera gear by checking them and putting them underneath in the cargo bay. They don't want to be responsible for all that expensive camera gear. They would rather you carry that stuff. So typically, as soon as you say that, they will leave you alone. I have had two different scenarios, though, where I've been forced to do something out of the norm. So one time I said this and the guy just wasn't having it and he made me put my camera bag in the sizer anyways. At this point, it was the Shimoda 50 liter. And with my tripod attached, it obviously did not fit in the sizer. But once I detached the tripod, I was able to squish it down in the sizer. Granted, it was very tight and my camera bag was bending a little bit. At that point, they let me take it on the plane and reattach my tripod. Had no issues. The other time was when I flew to China, they actually made me weigh my carry-on luggage. But what I did not know is that they were going to add the two weights of both my main carry-on and my personal item, which was my laptop bag, together. And that had to be under, I forget exactly how much it was. I think it was 25 pounds. 
So because I was overweight in that, I had to actually start taking lenses out of my camera bag and putting them in my check bag. It was incredibly stressful. That is the only time I've ever had that happen. And after I had that experience, I always go online now and I go to the airline's website and I see how heavy the carry-on items can be. And I try to keep my carry-ons under that weight just to avoid that experience. But that's the only time I've ever had an airline actually weigh my carry-on luggage. Most times when they see that you're carrying it on your back, they automatically assume it must not be too heavy. Another thing that's really important when you're traveling for photography is to show up with far more memory cards than you think you're going to need. It is really, really bad practice to format an SD card or a CF card while you're still on a trip. You want to make sure that you have, ideally, at least two copies of every photo that you take. That means that one copy is going to be getting backed up onto a hard drive, the other copy is going to remain on your SD card. When I fill up an SD card, and because I'm doing photo and video, I fill up many SD cards, I will put it back in my card wallet, but I'll put it back upside down. That way I know that that card is full and that card is out of commission for the rest of the trip. That means that I do have to travel with more SD cards than I would if I was just backing them up onto a hard drive and then reformatting them for the next day. I do not recommend doing that because, for example, if you back up your photos onto a hard drive and then format your SD card only to realize that maybe the hard drive is corrupt or maybe it didn't back up properly, you've just lost photos. In some cases, those are photos that you spent a lot of money to get. It's much cheaper to have more SD cards than you need because SD cards are far more affordable than the trip that you are on. So for that reason, I'm always traveling with probably, I don't know, nine SD cards, all of which are at least 128 gigs large because I'm shooting with a Sony a7R 4 which has massive files, which means I need lots of SD cards. But even then, that is more affordable than just a fraction of that trip that I'm most likely on, that I am most likely on. Now, when it comes to batteries, sometimes you can get away with traveling fairly light in the way of the number of backup batteries you have. I always try to travel with at least one extra battery for every camera I have. So if I'm traveling with two cameras, I take four batteries. There are times, however, that I have forgotten to do that, which is not the end of the world, as long as you remember to charge those batteries. In a recent YouTube video, I traveled with two batteries and I was trying to do both photo and video, and then I forgot to charge them. It made for a difficult shoot. But what I recommend is having at least one backup battery for every camera that you're traveling with. Just make sure that you're actually charging those batteries. Batteries are heavy and you don't necessarily need to take, you know, eight batteries with you unless you're planning on doing some serious time lapses or just flying through your batteries. But you're better off to just take one backup and then make sure that you're keeping stuff charged. On that note, make sure that you're taking a charging system that can work with you in whatever rental car or whatever you happen to be. Make sure you have a mobile battery charging situation just in case you are in the morning out all day and then going to shoot again in the evening you want to make sure that you have a way of charging your batteries while you're out on your trip not just back at whatever hotel or whatever you're staying at 
I always make sure that whatever battery chargers I have, they actually utilize a USB cable. That way I can oftentimes just plug them into the 12 volt adapter in the car and have them charging as I'm driving. Or I can plug them into an anchor pa battery pack of some kind and charge them that way. Just make sure that you have a way of charging your batteries while you're on the go. Another thing that I always make sure that I travel with are cleaning supplies for my camera. So most of the time that means two things. It means those little Zeiss uh, lens wipes that you can get, you know, just at a Walmart or off of Amazon. They're cheap little alcohol swabs that are lintless. And as long as you're careful with those, they're really handy for cleaning the front element, for cleaning the LCD screen on your camera. And because they use an alcohol solution, it's not going to leave a residue on your camera. It's just going to evaporate. Also, I make sure that I take sensor cleaning swabs. That is the biggest downside to switching to a mirrorless camera body is the fact that I am just constantly struggling with sensor dust. Sensor dust is not the end of the world to edit out, but in video, it really sucks because then you just end up with a black dot. It's very difficult to edit out of video. So because I'm doing both video and stills, I always travel with plenty of sensor cleaning swabs. Just makes my life way, way easier if I do that once in a while. Also, like I mentioned before, I always travel with some kind of device to back up my photos. Most of the time that just means my laptop and an external SSD drive. While I'm on that trip, I will import my photos using Lightroom onto that external SSD drive. I'll do that throughout the trip and then once I get home, I'll plug that SSD drive into my computer and import off of that, which is way more handy than importing off of like three or four SD cards. It's really nice when all of those videos and photos are in the same place on the same hard drive. There are times, however, when it's really nice to travel without a laptop. A laptop is big, bulky, kind of heavy. So I travel with one of those NAR boxes. I don't know if you've seen the NAR box, but I have a NAR, NAR box 2.0, which essentially is just a backup solution, which is pretty cool because all you have to do is plug in your SD card to the side hit a couple buttons and it backs it up automatically with no need to connect it to a phone or connect it to a laptop or anything. And it's much, much smaller than a laptop, obviously. It's like the size of a phone, only thicker. It's really handy for traveling lighter, but still having that nice redundant backup workflow so I can protect all of those photos and videos I'm taking. Some of the other things that I often forget to travel with, but I'm always glad when I actually remember them, Lots of lens cloths, obviously, but I also like to travel with microfiber towels. So just a smallish, you know, 10 inch microfiber towel. What is nice about those is if you're in a really wet shooting situation, you can either drape them over your camera or you can use them to just wipe down the top of the camera and to get the water away from the buttons. But because they're microfiber, they're also soft enough that you can also clean the front element in those really wet situations. I always appreciate it when I actually remember those last several trips I've, I've been forgetting lately, but it's nice to have those, especially when you're traveling to places like the Oregon coast or Iceland or the Faroe Islands, anywhere that's really wet. It's really nice to have those microfiber towels to dry off your equipment. Another piece of gear that has been absolutely crucial for my photography, and I've talked about it many times on many different platforms, NRS boundary socks. The reason I mentioned that in this travel oriented episode is the fact that they travel so well. 
They are very thin. They're very light. You can just roll them up, stuff them in your camera bag. You're going to have a nice waterproof solution for standing in really cold water wherever you're happen to go. So I will travel with those NRS boundary socks and oftentimes just a really cheap pair of Walmart mesh shoes, you know, a $10 pair of shoes. Maybe it's even a pair of sandals. What's nice about those is they're going to dry quickly and they're cheap. So if you're standing in salt water, you're not ruining an expensive pair of Keens or something. You're ruining a, you know, an $8 pair of shoes. Plus they're going to dry really quickly because they're mesh. So that's something that I always travel with because I'm often shooting in water type situations. All right, so that's pretty much it. I would love to hear what kind of photography travel hacks that you guys might have. Go over to the Facebook group and start a comment thread talking about what travel hacks you guys have with your photography trips. So that's what I have for you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Take it easy, everybody.